You are listening to the Mimi B Podcast, a lifestyle podcast that is designed to help you transform your life and become the best version of yourself possible. On this podcast, we talk about health, personal growth, career, and pretty much everything else it takes to become the best you there is. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard. I own the online magazine, Mimi B, and I create courses on how you can upgrade your life to the next level. Every single one of us has the ability to produce extraordinary results in our lives, and this podcast is going to help you get there. Hey guys, I'm back with Jared Getz. I don't know if you listened to our episode number 56 on the podcast, but you guys loved this episode I did with him. We talked about e-commerce, how he built such an incredible big business online. And I'm here today to pick his brain again, because there's so many more questions I have and you guys have for Jared. So welcome, Jared. Thank you so much for coming back on the podcast. Super happy to be back on. Amazing. So in the first episode we did together, obviously, you spoke about your story and how you got from, you know, nothing to one of the biggest growing Shopify stores in 2017. Like your whole story was amazing. And if you guys want to listen to that, go back to that episode. But just for people that haven't heard that first episode, do you want to give like a really quick kind of overview of your experience with selling stuff online and how you kind of did that all? Yeah, for sure. Um, Actually, I started in the, my first experience selling online was with hoverboards back when they were really popular and they kind of went viral. So I got lucky there and I had some success. And then from there, I just, I started going out to China and finding products that I could brand that would go viral. Um, And I had some pretty big wins with other products. And then I discovered drop shipping, which was like, I thought such an incredible business model because you didn't need any inventory. Uh, And I knew the marketing skills that you needed to sell products online. So I built the drop shipping store. It, my first store grew from zero to $2 million in its first 60 days and it got some notoriety. Uh, and since then, we've built a community and an information business and yeah, I've just been rolling with it since. Amazing. That's just so incredible. So I want to pick your brain because as I was telling you before I started uh, the record button, I'm actually creating with my project manager a Mimi B shop page. And it's going to be some of my own products, but also some drop shipping products. You talk about something called drop surfing. What's the difference between drop shipping and drop surfing? So I've coined that term pretty much as its own business model, you know, drop shipping as a business model just means that you can sell products online without ever touching inventory and they ship directly from the supplier. Um, when I talk about drop surfing, I'm talking about people who are getting into the business who don't know what to sell uh, because that's actually like one of the hardest things is like, what should I sell? You know, what's going to be, because you have to imagine that there's costs involved with advertising. So you need to be able to profitably sell products. And with drop surfing, I'm basically teaching people to ride existing trends. So if there's products that are being sold already, like let's say a very popular watch or like, you know, a dog toy or something that has like millions of likes or shares that you jump on that wave and you start selling what's already popular because it's already proven. And that's kind of the, the, the term drop surfing in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, okay. If somebody wanted to get into drop shipping and they wanted to start their own site and they decided on something to sell, how do you contact these suppliers to start selling their products on your website and asking them for their wholesale price so you can make 
profit, but yet you're not dealing with shipping. How does that even work? Yeah, so that's the major problem. Like the business model is so great without having to touch inventory, but a major problem is actually getting suppliers on board that will drop ship for you. Especially if you have a store with a lot of different products and a lot of different suppliers, I could you can imagine like you know if you have fifty orders and they're coming from different suppliers, sending them your orders and going back and forth could be a nightmare. Um, that's why most people drop ship using AliExpress because there's AliExpress for those people who don't know is kind of like an Amazon but it's in China and you can buy products one by one and you can ship them to your customer. Um, but we've actually like, that's the major problem is that the products are coming from China. So we've been building our own platform. Uh, you guys can actually check it out. It's called the silk road.io. Um, it's not open yet, but you could join the waiting list. And on there we have brands, products in the U S that are already in our back end and ready for people to go on one click, add to their store and start selling. And we get it fulfilled for them and basically just bill your card on file. Every time someone buys one from you. And we pay out the supplier. So it's, it automates everything. That's so amazing. So what kind of products do you have on there? Everything? Our goal is to get, I mean, right now we have about 500,000 SKUs here in the US. Uh, and then we have about 50,000 products in China. Um, but our goal is to like basically get as many products as possible on there. So anyone who wants to start an online business, no matter what they want to sell, they can come in, they can find it and they can sell it. So yeah, we're actively working on getting new brands on there. We've just we've secured a, a few brand deals. Um, we're doing a big launch with, for you know, for your listeners who are on Instagram, I'm sure they've heard of the brand Fit Tea, mm-hmm. so, Tea Company. We're doing a launch with them. Uh, so yeah, we're we're you know we're getting as many products as we could on there. So with the drop shipping, let's say you have a store and you do a lot of drop shipping. What if the product is damaged or the product isn't what it's stated to be online? Like, how do you deal with that from a customer service perspective, like with your clients that are basically buying from your website, but it's not really coming from you? Yeah. So that's why, you know, AliExpress is such a big problem because you're not dealing with this, the supplier, you're dealing with a trading company who's a middleman, you know, there's like four or five people in between the actual supplier and the listing on AliExpress. So sometimes quality control is tough, um, which is why like when we're drop shipping, we have our own suppliers and we, you know, we guarantee the quality that we have. Um, but it's really important that with any business, especially an online store, that you have a proactive approach to customer support. You know, last, like people want to just feel like they're cared about, right? If they have a problem, like if you buy a product and you have a problem with it, and the, the, the store ignores your email and you have to email them twice. It's pretty frustrating. Mm-hmm. So like you got to just be quick to answer people. You have to be quick to give refunds. You know, you have to be generous with your discount codes. Uh, and you just have to be a really nice, genuine company or mm-hmm. else people will dislike it a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So question as well. Okay. So this is a selfish question because it's coming from my, my, um, my own curiosity. So on my website, I mean, I've drop shipping and I'm also going to have my own products for stock. Like, I don't know if you know much about this because you really only deal with drop shipping or drop surfing, but like how much stock is it, you know, safe to have if you're shipping products yourself on an e-commerce site? Yeah, for sure. So what kind of products will you have? Because it really depends. Yeah, like journals and like, you know, notebooks and some clothing merch hats, like some cool kind of Mimi B merch. Gotcha. Well, for the merchandise, 
um, I would recommend if you could use a print on demand. Um, you know what that is? Yes. I would probably, if you could, if you know, if it's, if it's custom stuff that's in, embroidered or, or you can't get a print on demand, you just have to be careful because there's all, you know, there's so, so many different sizes. There's you know, extra small, small, medium, large, extra large. So it's like, and you have to have enough of each of those. And then um, for the most part, suppliers have a minimum order, you know, um, so you have to make sure that you're at least buying their minimum. If you're buying custom notebooks, uh, you may, the minimum order may be a thousand pieces. So you may need to spend $5,000 in inventory, um, but you don't need, like, I don't know if, if you figured out your logistics yet, but you can actually take the products that you buy in bulk and send them to a third party logistics company and they'll hold it for you and they'll just, they'll ship them out for you every time you have an order. And then um, you'll pay them like one or $2 per order that you get and they'll, they'll automate everything for you. That's awesome. Like, honestly, I was about to ask that. That's genius. I was thinking, I'm like, okay, am I going to have to hire somebody in London to be next to that storage unit full of stuff or whatnot and always be ready to ship something? But that third party makes so much more sense. Like that really, really just makes sense. Is it a, a good deal though to do that? Yeah. Yeah. So like the, the way that those, they're called three PL companies. You can look into them. They're all over the place. Um, but if you're selling products, I'd probably recommend you where you keep like at least half of your stock in the U S there's a ton of three PL companies here in the U S I don't know where they're being manufactured, but say you're getting them manufactured in China, you can just have them shipped directly to the three PL company. They'll do all the importing and all that stuff for you. And they'll charge you a fee. And then they charge you like one or two bucks per order to process it for you. And like, you know, the reason I, I've done that as well. I, I used to ship when I first started e-commerce, I was shipping out products from my house and then I got my own warehouse. And then I was, you know, I hired people to box everything up and ship it. And it ended up being cheaper just to send it to a 3PL company to handle it. Genius. That is so genius. And that's kind of making it like a drop shipping experience. If you're having them handle everything, you just don't need to deal with it at all. Yeah. The only difference is that you're buying the inventory up front. So you're investing in the inventory. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about advertising. I know you're a big Facebook ad guy. I read online that you spend like 25,000 a day or something. Is that right? Yeah. We've (laughs) spent more than that as well. You spend 25K a day on Facebook ads. Yeah. Well, the way you got to look at it is not, it's like when you get it down right, you're putting in a dollar to make two or, or, you know, at that scale, you're putting in 25,000 to take out 40,000. And then after cost of goods, you're maybe profiting 10,000. Yeah. So obviously it's genius, but what do you think about Facebook ads versus Google ads versus Instagram ads? Like what works best do you think for the best price? Yeah. So it totally depends on your business model. Someone like yourself, like you have a loyal following, like people really like you. Uh, So you can start with like organic sales, like, you know, pushing your products out to your social following and then really just investing in retargeting because retargeting, you're going to get half or less than half the cost per acquisition of a customer. So like if you're targeting cold traffic, people who may know you, but probably don't know you, if you're just like putting marketing out there, let's just say you're selling a notebook and you're selling it for $20. It may cost you $20 to acquire a customer on on ads, but with retargeting, maybe it costs you $5. But then you also have to look at it holistically. Like, what is the lifetime value of a customer? If it costs you twenty dollars 
to sell a $20 notebook and you, you know, the notebook costs you $5, you, you're down $5. That doesn't necessarily mean you lost money because now that person is a customer, they're in your email list, you can email them to buy something else, and they're in your network. So it, it's, it's really a formula. But for someone like yourself, I would start with organic traffic uh, and start retargeting that traffic. Because also as you do that, especially if it's through Facebook, um, your Facebook pixel starts to get smarter. So if you're sending organic traffic to your site, making sales, retargeting people, making more sales, your pixel is going to start to determine what type of buyers buy your product. And as you start to make 100 or 200 or 1,000 sales, your pixel gets smarter and smarter, which means that it'll cost you less and less money to acquire customers. Because mm, you can really get into the specifics, right? With the Facebook targeting ads, you can, you can, I've never done it before, but I'm guessing you can say, oh, I want women aged 18 to 22 living here interested in this. A hundred percent. But like for, for you, I'd recommend like, you know, you, so I don't know how much experience you have, but you can have a pixel on your site. A Facebook pixel is a little piece of code. And then, you know, say 50 people visit your site, you can retarget all those people that visited your site. Mm. Or you can do like what they call a dynamic product ads, DPA, um, where if people have clicked around and maybe they looked at like five different products, Facebook will give them an ad with those five products in a carousel. Yeah. And those work really well. So that's happened to me. And I've actually bought those things <laughs> because of it. Like I'll be on an online shopping website and then go on Facebook and then that dress that I was looking at is on Facebook and I'm like, oh, like leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, well, it works, right? It literally works so well. So you obviously know so much about advertising and marketing and all that jazz. How much, I was listening to this podcast the other day about advertising your own products as like a social media influencer. And it said, give out a lot for free. What do you think about that? Because I feel like I do give out a lot for free. Most of my content is free, but then I have my courses, my events, and you know my products coming soon. But like, how much is is the perfect medium in your eyes? Well, it's hard to say. I guess it depends on your business and who you are. But as a general rule of thumb, like if you're giving out free content uh, and people are learning from you and they trust you, then they're going to buy more from you. Like, you know, the mastermind we're doing this weekend is a, it's a high ticket, you know, 20K plus package to be a part of. And you're not going to get people who don't know you to pay that much money to be part of whatever you're doing. So mm -hmm. they need to be able to have either bought something that was cheaper and like learned a lot from it and gotten a lot of value. Um, I mean, you put out tons of content. And so I think that you, you probably have a pretty good balance. For me, it's like I have a YouTube channel. I'm, I'm starting to put out more free content now. Uh, and I'm really starting to see the effects of it too. Um, but it, I guess it just depends on, on the business. It's, I don't think there's like one rule of thumb. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I just hate, you know, the whole addy vibe. Like I don't even do that many paid posts on Instagram because I just like don't want to be cringy, you know, like I'm only going to do a paid post if it's like, you know, up to my standard paycheck wise and it's on brand, which a lot of the time brands, especially these days, in the whole influencer marketing world, they don't want to pay as much as they used to. So I'm just basically saying no to everything now because I don't want to be a sellout and I want to build my own brand. And I find it so valuable for people to trust me. And I'm trying to build something that it that has longevity. I don't want to just be a sellout. So for me, I'm just like, I think struggling a bit with the whole 
selling versus, you know, free content thing. I feel like, I don't know, the balance there is just a bit tricky, but I guess it's yeah, really, like you, yeah. sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, it's okay, like you, like, you have a lot of like loyal fans, like people that really like you and would love to be around you. And there's only so much of, of you, right? Like you can, you could give out free content on social media. You could do events in person that if there's, you know, 500 or a thousand people at it, it's like a cheaper ticket event. But there's also like a lot of people that would pay to, to be in a mastermind or like an inner circle group that would get tons of value out of it. Like I'm sure you're friends with people that are at, at super high calibers, people that have been successful or, or are well-known in different fields. And a lot of your following would pay good money to be able to be in that circle of people. And I don't, that doesn't really make you a sellout. That kind of makes those types of things attainable to people that they would never be attainable for before. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And you're so right. And, you know, I preach more than anyone that your network is your net worth. Like I truly believe that who you surround yourself with and your circle and who you talk to on a regular basis really affect the outcome of your life. And that's a genius idea. I've actually had a few, I've actually had like maybe a handful or two of girls message me the past few months asking if I do one-to-one coaching sessions, like life coaching style. Um, you know, cause my whole brand is like being your best self, like transforming your life and like stepping into your power and, and just being the best version of yourself possible. So I've had all these girls ask me like, Hey, like, can we do like coaching calls, like Skype sessions? Like I'd pay, you know, X amount for this, this. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I need to like come up with a new business model structure for this. So I'm actually developing something where I can, you know, be closer with these girls and kind of guide them and coach them on a more intimate level. So I'm working on that as well. Um, I just think, you know, there's so much potential in this space of having your own brand and being a public figure online. Like there's just so much potential, so much you can do because you essentially have your own advertising platform. You can advertise whatever you want. You can start whatever you want. Like the world is your oyster. So it's just, you know, there's so much potential and I want to do it all. Yeah. I mean, for someone like you, and even for me, it's like that you have a following, you have, you know, people who really like your brand, people who are loyal to you. And there's different calibers of people. There's people that want to, you know, just be able to like learn from you. There's people who want to be more in touch with you. There's people who wanted that one-on-one setting. Um, I think you got to look at it as like four different tiers of people. There's, you know, tier one who would pay like $15 for a book. You know, you put out a book, you put out a hard work, you know, you work hard on it. It's worth some money, a book or a little course, something that's like under a hundred dollars. And then there's a higher ticket course, which is like, you know, hour, hundreds of hours of video, whatever it is, something that's really valuable that someone will get a lot of value out of that costs anywhere from a thousand to $2,000. And then like for me, I have a group coaching program, which is $5,000 and you basically, we're, we're doing a call every week, but it's in a group setting on Zoom. So we have like 30 to 40 people on each call. And then there's myself and like a few other e-commerce coaches and they get to ask us questions. And it's like, you know, we're answering their questions. We're answering other people's questions. We're interacting with them. We're friends with them. Um, they're learning from us and they're learning from other people's problems. And they're, you know, they pay $5,000 for a year to be in that setting. And every single one of those people love it. And then there's that, that even higher ticket, which is like people who want to like be in a room 
with other like-minded people. Like me, myself personally, I'll, I'll spend seventy-five to a hundred thousand dollars a year just going to these to masterminds to be in the proximity of people that are doing bigger things than me, because I, I get the value out of it. And there's people that want that, so that's like the fourth tier. You know, people that would pay twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars to be, you know, uh, two, three, four times a year in a room with some amazing people. And that's kind of how I would break it down. Yeah, that's genius. And I totally agree. You know, I think spending money on being around people that would be good influence around you. Like I've gone to Tony Robbins seminars. Like I, I always try working on myself in every way, shape or form. And it's never been wasted money. So I totally, totally agree with you. Um, so let's talk about what if somebody listening right now doesn't even know where to start. They don't have initial funds to invest that much money in themselves. They have a computer and they want to start their own e-commerce business, make money online, and they're starting from scratch. So they don't have any money to start with. What would you tell them to do? Because obviously drop shipping would be really good in this this situation because you don't need to pay money to have stock and inventory. Um, But how do you have any other tips? Well, if they have no money at all, I would t- probably tell them to get a job first, like just to start earning some money. Um, but yeah, there's so much like free content out there. Like, I mean, if you go on YouTube, you could learn so much. The problem is that, you know, there's a lot of different people teaching and sometimes the information is conflicting. Like you might hear something from me that's different than, you know, from somebody else. It's different from, from somebody else. And like those conflicting thoughts and information sometimes cause people to have an act, you know, not take action at all because they're like, Oh, I don't know which way to go. Um, but if you're, if you're not looking to invest any money, like you could learn everything you need to learn for free, um, with YouTube, it'll just take you a little bit longer and you got to kind of pick what direction you want to start in. Um, but drop shipping is definitely a really good business model. I always recommend that people have at least, you know, a thousand or $2,000 to invest in advertising, uh, unless they have some kind of like, you know, pre-built following. But in order to test products and figure out what's profitable, you, you need like like one or two thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. And it's essential to to advertise online. What about like SEO? Do you have you know some specialists that are on that, or I guess Facebook ads? You need to hire a specialist for, right? Um, not really. No. I mean, no. Like, so the difference between SEO and Facebook ads, like SEO is is takes a long time to build and it's not very scalable. Like you can, I I wouldn't really consider it even a fraction of our business. Um, Facebook ads are extremely scalable. Like if you get the formula of, you know, the price point, the landing page conversion, the the ads, the click through rate, if you get that whole formula uh, right to where every dollar you spend, you're taking out $2 in in sales, you can scale that to spending $25,000 a day. So like we're always focusing on testing different products and different ads until we like till we can spend money on ads that bring us back money. Mm. So I, I would and you don't really I, I would never hire an expert in anything until I'm at least like intermediate or like advanced at that thing because then you don't know who to hire. Yeah. Like when I first started with my Facebook ads, I was running everything myself and the only reason I even hired anyone is because I was driving from California to Florida and I needed someone to, to run with my, my ads. It was like a hands-on job, but I gave them specific rules. Like, you know, if this, then that kind of rules. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I would recommend like learning before hiring anyone to do it. Yeah, that's a really good tip because honestly, I keep hearing you need to hire a Facebook ad specialist. <laughs> I keep hearing that. And I'm such a hands-on person that, you know, I obviously want to learn it myself as well um, and and understand. So that's a great, great, great tip. Um, and you could, you could learn it yourself too. Like it's, it's not super complicated. Sometimes like the thought of, of anything just seems like it's, you know, it's going to be all, it's so much work or it's going to be confusing and you like don't want to start. But if you just jump in and start playing with it, you'll, you know, it's not, it's not super complicated. Mm-hmm. So what about, have you ever gone through any like horror stories of getting a ton of orders in and not being able to get the products to the customers? <laughs> yeah, I actually had one really bad horror story. Um, it was about two years ago. I was traveling. I was actually traveling by myself in Asia. And my I had a store that was doing about $50,000 a day in sales. Uh, we were doing about 2,000 orders a day. And so I was in Thailand at the time. And I was flying back to the US in about three days. And the so three days before my flight, one of my virtual assistants uh, reached out to me and she's like, Hey Jared, we found, you know, 10 tracking numbers that aren't working. And I was like, ah, like, you know, we're doing 2000 orders a day. Like just go figure it out, you know? And the next day she's like, Hey, we, fi- we found 50 tracking numbers that aren't working. And I'm thinking, you know, 50, 2000 orders a day. Maybe it's just a fluke, like, you know, figure it out. And then the day before I had to fly back home, she reaches out and she's like, you know, Jared, so far we found 200 tracking numbers that aren't working. And I'm like, yeah, I'm starting to get a little concerned, but I'm like 200 orders total. You know, we've done 6,000 orders in the last like three days. Like you can figure it out. And then I flew back and it was like a 20 hour journey without my phone or anything. And I landed and I, I, the first thing I did is I opened up my phone and she's like, Hey Jared, we've identified like 500 tracking numbers that aren't working. And I'm like, all right, this is becoming a problem. So we had, I had to do some investigating and I found out that a supplier that I was working with, every time I would send them money, they would send me back tracking numbers and they're fake for 7,000 orders, No, which was actually like over a half a million dollars worth of inventory. So they scammed you? They scammed me. Yeah. What the hell did you do? Did you sue them or did they give you back the money? Yeah. Like- I was able to recover... Uh, I think it was like $280,000 of it, but I ended up losing like over 200 grand, um, which is like, that's like the worst. I've never even heard of a worse horror story than I went through, but yeah, there was not much I could do because they were in China and I was sourcing through AliExpress. So mm-hmm. it was like, it, that's why it's so like, since then I never, I've never bought from there again. I've always had my own suppliers. That's crazy. Did you like report them or... That's just crazy. Yeah, it was like two we- like two weeks of going back and forth with AliExpress and Oberlo, which is like the uh, software that you know helps with all that stuff. It was about two weeks of going back and forth with them, and I got uh, actually yeah Oberlo, which is the software. I got them to give me back like two hundred thousand, and then AliExpress gave me back like eighty thousand. And luckily, like they were holding those funds from that supplier, some of them. Um, but then the supplier disappeared. The thing is with China is it's it's tough because there's so many factories and manufacturers and like the whole industry, like the whole like um, commerce aspect of China is so new They're They're, you know, they're a communist country and only 30 years ago they were like fully communist. Like they couldn't even sell products or make money. So everything's new over there. So there's factories that'll like 
go down one day and like open up one next door. So it's kind of like the wild west. Um, and there wasn't much I could do. So I just had to bite the bullet. I mean, luckily my business was making a lot of money at the time. So I was okay, mm. but it was, it was definitely, it was definitely a horror story. Wow. That is crazy. That is insane. I don't know what I would have done. Do you ever work with business partners or are you like a one man show? Um, it depends. Like if it's a big opportunity, it, it, I'm just trying to stay like really focused on what we're doing here with our supplier platform. Um, sometimes I get pulled in too many directions, so I, I don't really do too many partnerships. Um, but like, you know, if it's a big opportunity, I would explore it. Yeah. So what do you think about like, you know, obviously you know everything about their the e-commerce business, but if you were getting into something where you didn't know everything about it, like, would you just try to learn it yourself or like find someone to delegate some stuff to? Like, do you have an assistant that helps you out? How do you kind of manage doing everything? Yeah. The way I look at it is like, there's tasks that require your mental energy and like, and creativity. Um, you know, things like what product should I sell? How should I advertise them? But then there's like so many menial tasks that like, you don't want to waste your energy on things like fulfilling orders, answering customer support inquiries, you know, moderating Facebook comments, all that stuff. It's like, it's mindless. Um, so for that, like I always recommend hiring virtual assistants. Um, we actually have a website called ecomvirtualassistance.com where you can get fully trained assistants overseas for $9 an hour to basically run the back end of your store. Um, you know, they'll, they'll talk to your suppliers. They'll make sure that your Facebook comments are okay and answering people, do all your email, your live chat, your phone support. Um, and I like to just focus my energy on things that uh, I need to be creative on. Very clever. That's 100% what people should do because – you know, recently, like I was telling you, I, I'm, I've just hired on two people and I part-time, but like, I, I just want to delegate what I don't need to focus on and just really put all my eggs in the basket of like what I am good at, you know? So I'm, and I've already seen so much growth since doing that the past two months. So I think it's definitely something I need to do more of. And it's a very smart, smart thing in biz. Yeah, you just and you, when you're hiring people, like something I've learned is like you just have to be careful. Like sometimes it's it's really hard to find like people that will be with you long term. And someone like yourself or me, like there's a lot of people out there that want to be able to work with us and work on the things that we're doing. Um, and like one thing I learned is like if you offer someone too much, and then like, you know, maybe it's an incentive deal. And then you know, six months down the road, they're making like way too much money because your deal wasn't great. You can't go back on it. You can't like take money away. So you have to be careful not to like offer. Sometimes you want to like motivate people to work for you. So you're like, yeah, I'll give you like, you know, 20% of the profits or something like that. And then, you know, down the road, your overhead grows and profits are defined as, you know, they're not inclusive of like office and, and employees and all that stuff. And then like, 20% of the profits is like 50% of your total business profits. And then you can't go back and change their deal. So like my experience with hiring people now is like, you know, start small and don't like dangle a carrot in front of them. Like just be fully transparent. Like here's your deal. Um, and, and then, and then offer more as time goes on. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So how do you find people to hire? Like what do you look for in someone you're hiring? So, from like 
now, right now we have 14 full-time employees. Um, and then we have like 20 contractors. So like, it's been a process. It started with just like one person, like a right hand, like someone who can like come on and do a bunch of things. Um, and then like now when we're hiring people, I have so many people that like DM me that's like, Hey, like, is there, you know, can I work for you? Is there any way I can get involved? So I have like a lot of people that I could work with. Um, I'm pretty adamant about having people in house. You know, there's a lot of people that work from home and they're outsourced, but there's something about having everyone in an office that just like guarantees productivity. Um, and like, if, like I said, at first I was offering these like crazy incentive deals, but now I'm just like, like, here, you know, here's your salary. You could receive this bonus if we hit these numbers and we could talk about more compensation in the future. Um, but it's like, you have to care about your employees and they have to know that you like, you know, love and care for them. But at the same time, they have to know that it's also a privilege to be working there. So I look for people that are like, I'll do anything to work for you. Like I'll like, you know, drop everything. Right. For example, we just hired a content guy. Um, it was funny. I was doing, I don't know if you've seen, but on Instagram, I'll call people on Instagram live. Mm-hmm. And the first person I called on the first call I've ever done ended up getting in contact with my, my one content guy. And then without me even knowing, like they spoke and he flew out here from Canada and then like he just dropped his job and everything and like just moved out here. And now he's working for me full time. That's and, like, insane. Like that's the perfect, like, you know, someone like that's what I would have done back in the day if I wanted to work for someone. Yeah. And like I look for those kind of qualities. Like he's he's here to get it, like no matter what. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That really, really is amazing. And it, you know, it's rare to find people like that. I've over the past few years, I've I've had like three different assistants that have kind of trickled away. I don't know. You know, like it's really if you find a good egg, you find a good egg. You need somebody that doesn't need to be babied, I think especially as well. From my experience, you need someone that isn't going to call you up and ask you questions that like they can just Google, you know, like someone oh, yeah. that takes initiative and is a leader, but also not so much a leader that they're, you know, they want to start their own thing and they want to leave you at some point. Like you want someone that, that is a really, really great manager of, of their own time. And it's difficult. And that's, I'm so happy for you to find that person. Cause that does seem rare. Um, but yeah, I, I completely, completely agree. So yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I was I was just gonna say, um, you know, and as you're like as you're going through business, like you're you're consistently working with new people. Maybe you're trying out new lawyers or new uh, CPAs, and you never know like who the good people are at first. Like for me, I've I've been through like eight different accountants in the last two years, and like the eighth one was so good and so diligent and like got along with our company culture. He actually came on as our CFO. It just takes time of like trying to work with people. Like people talk big games, but then performance is totally different. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So talk about lawyers quickly. Like, do you always work with lawyers when you make big deals? Or I guess in the US, like people just sue people really easily and, and lawyers are way more, you know, I don't know. But do you use lawyers with every big project you do? Um, or do you kind of just gauge whether or not you need it for that? Yeah. I mean, for me, like the way I, I personally look at it is like, if I'm, if I'm getting into any kind of joint venture or, or partnership or, um, you know, something important, it's, it's gotta be with someone who I fully trust. 
Um, but does that mean I'm not going to have a lawyer write up a, a really badass contract? Like, of course I am. Yeah. Um, but before we even get into that stuff, I'll have someone in my internal team write up a term sheet, which basically lays out like every aspect of the deal. So that there's complete transparency. Like I never want to make a deal, even though like sometimes it's really easy to like promise a lot and like leave things out that may not be the best aspects of them just to make the deal. I'd rather be like 1 million percent transparent up front. So that there's no, you know, two months down the road, there's no like disagreements. So we'll write up a term sheet first that like lays out everything. And if there's any questions, we'll go through it and then we'll have a contract drawn up. But yeah, for sure. I think that it's important too, because even people that you, that like you really like working with like three, four months in, you may have a dispute with them a year later that you never expected. Um, and I'm a very trusting person. Like I, I trust people like so much, sometimes too much. Uh, and there's been times where like, you know, I, I've been screwed over and I luckily have had contracts that have, uh, you know, been there to help me when I never expected to have needed them. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely recommend it. Yeah. 100%. Always a smart move. You'd never, never regret it. For 100%. Mm-hmm. So what about, okay, let's go back to manufacturing products. How do you find a great manufacturer? Like, do you, you literally do you go to China and like set up meetings with them or like, how do you find an amazing supplier or manufacturer that you can really trust? And especially when they're in these foreign countries where they might not speak perfect English and you know, that rapport might be a bit off. Yeah. So there's a few different ways. Um, first of all, if you're ordering, you know, from a manufacturer from Alibaba, for example, just be careful because they'll send you samples and the sample will be great. And then when you order like 2,000 of them, maybe they'll change like a screw or like a stitching or something to like make that item like 20 cents cheaper each so that they can save money. And then the, the bulk order is not as good as the sample. Like that's happened to me a lot of times. Wow. How do you um, ensure it, that doesn't happen? Well, you know, you got to they, – they, they have to know that you know what you're talking about. So like bringing it up and saying like, I need, you know, I want to make sure that these are just as good as the sample. Like that could help. Um, but like – if you're ordering small quantities, they don't really care about you that much. You know, there's companies that are ordering the same product with a different brand and they may be ordering like hundreds of thousands of them. So if you're ordering like 500 or a thousand of them, like they don't really care that much about you. Um, but like if you could get out to China for the, have you ever heard of the Canton fair? Nope. The Canton fair is like the Mecca of trade shows in China. There's 60,000 exhibitors selling everything you can think of. It's 12 million square feet. It takes like 15 days to walk the whole thing. But like if you go there for, you know, you book like three weeks out in China and you walk around this Canton fair and you'll meet suppliers in person and you'll even see products that you didn't think you would want to sell that you're like, whoa, that would be great for my brand. Like, oh my God, those only cost $2 to manufacture. And like, it'll spark ideas for you. And then like if you're in person, like for for example, with our job shipping supplier, I go out and I visit him in China like once or twice a year and I'll go out and I'll spend, you know, a whole day with him and his family. You know, there's a bond there. There's a trust. And like, if you're sourcing products from Asia, that trust and that, that uh, bond is very important. Um, they're, they're like a very big respect oriented country. So like me going out there and being in person with my supplier, I trust sending millions of dollars to him for him to ship out products rather than just like someone random I found through Alibaba. So to recap, and I just said a lot there, um, you know, you got to just act like you know what you're talking about and not be naive. Like, you know, when you get a sample, you have to 
look at that sample and, and, you know, go back to the supplier and say like, you know, I want to make sure that these things are all the same. Uh, and then the other thing is like, go to the, go to the Canton fair and walk around and you'll meet suppliers that you can work with long-term. Mm, that's a very good idea. Really, really, really good idea. Are there any big no-nos that you have or that you would kind of tell a new naive business person, like what to look out for with new manufacturers that you're working with, or, you know, like when you pay them, if you get stock, like when you pay them, is it like, is there any sketchiness you need to look out for? Or like, do you have any tips on that? Well, one tip, I wouldn't say it's a no, no, but like just, just for you to know is that like when you're dealing with you know, quote unquote manufacturer, you're not actually dealing with the factories, you're dealing with a trading company. So they're making the deal with the factory, they may even have two middlemen in between them. Um, They may be working with three different factories, you don't actually know. Um, It's even crazy, like when I went, I went to China a few years back, and I was looking into sourcing headphones, I was looking to make a headphone brand. And I met this company at the Canton Fair, and they brought me to their factory. And I later learned that it wasn't even their factory. They, they like rent a room there so that it makes you think that it's their factory. So you're never getting like factory direct pricing unless you're ordering tons of units. Um, so just like know that you're dealing with trading companies. Okay. That's a really, really good thing to know. Okay. Wow. I've learned so much in the past 40 minutes. Thank you so, so much for spreading your wisdom and knowledge. Honestly, Jared, like, you know everything about this. I feel like I could pick your brain for hours. And I'm so excited for your new business venture. I want to use it. Is it like, so when is it going to be out again? And what's it called? It, we're, it's called thesilkroad.io. That's the website. Okay. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's up, but you have to request to join right now because we're not taking on like too many people. We want to make sure that anyone who comes on is getting a great experience. Um, but you can sign up. And if you have products that you want us to get for you, we can source them for you. Oh my God. Um, yes. And also, if you have any other questions, just you can DM me anytime. Amazing. On, uh, I will definitely take you up on that. I 100% want to do that. And for all of our new listeners, where can everybody find you on socials? Uh, at Jared Getz. That's J A R E D G O E T Z. That's my Instagram. Um, you can find me, Jared Getz, on Facebook. And jaredgets.com is my website where I have a contact form as well. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks, Mimi.